I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right, lots of great playoff games to get to, of course, this weekend. Four games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. But honestly, this is the GM shuffle. We're breaking down all the news as well. Dolphins players are not confident in Tua Tungavailoa's abilities. The Jets hiring Robert Saleh as their coach. But we begin with Michael Lombardi, newsbreaker. That's right. This is no urban legend. Urban Meyer is going to be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you, you rarely dip your toe in these waters, Mike, as NFL insider. But you tweeted it out. So, yep, it's going to happen. Pat McAfee later tweeted, goes, hey, how about our boy Lombardi breaking the news here? I feel like you could do this more often than normal. But... Thank you for breaking the Urban Meyer news to the Jaguars for us. Well, I didn't get credit for it. You know that. I mean, because it <laughs> technically really wasn't done. You know, it wasn't official, even though I got it from somebody really, really close to Urban. And, and you know, and then three hours later, he's on an airplane uh, landing in Jacksonville, which, you know, so we understand this, right? So the, the deal gets structured. Urban's agent negotiates the deal. They go back and forth with paperwork, with the agreement. They formulate the agreement, and then they write the paperwork up. But he doesn't get on the airplane until that agreement is in place. Because why would you agree to something and then, oh, we're going to change this or we're going to change that? No. They, they understand that you go through this, you get an agreement, then the plane's there waiting, come down, we'll have the press conference, you'll sign the contract, and we'll go on. So, you know, I don't try to break news. I mean, look, I, I, I you know, Antonio Brown, is he playing for the Bucks? I was told that would never happen. I was told that would never happen. So anyway, you know, I don't try to break news, but when I have something, I'm going to say it. I usually just don't throw something against the wall because I'm trying to compete in that industry. I don't. Those people are way too wired, way too, they care too much. And for me, AD, I know more than I can say at times. So I have to be careful to protect my personal relationships as long as my professional relationship with people that I'm exchanging football ideas with and talking about the game with. So like, I'd rather not get into the the world of, you know, this is what I'm reporting because that doesn't really what I want to do. But when I have something, I have it. Yeah. And on the number of times you said to me, oh, I got this, but we can't go there because, you know, I'm like, no, I got you. But as you said, there's a reason why we have information sharing. And in the case of Urban Meyer, this guy's 56 years of age. He's won three national championships, you know, impeccable coaching record with Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State. And now Shad Khan fires Doug Marone. Marone had a 25 and 44 record in four seasons and says, okay, fine. What do I care? Let's give him $12 million. I don't, what, 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 it's monopoly money, right? If I get Urban Meyer and he's going to be the kind of coach that he was in college, this is a win for us. So the Jaguars have 11 picks in the upcoming draft. They've got five in the top 65. They're nearly $100 million under the projected salary cap and they're about to draft Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this makes a ton of sense if I'm Urban Meyer. Talk about a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, 
mean, look, uh, you know, last time I saw Urban Meyer, he was watching, they were playing Maryland. It was an afternoon game, and I thought the guy was going to have a heart attack on the sideline while they watched Anthony McFarlane run up and down the field, you know? And uh, he looked sick. I mean, he looked bad. And so, you know, I thought that was the end of Urban Meyer. But Urban Meyer, I mean, he and Jay-Z have done a great job of mastering this retirement game. You know, come back, come back, not come back. I mean, Sinatra started it, but these guys have mastered it. And he's done more encores than Springsteen. I mean, seriously, he has done more encores than Springsteen. But this one, this one, this one's the silver tuner, Marv. This one's the one to come to because he walks into Trevor Lawrence. He walks right into the, a generational quarterback. And you know this, A.D., you know that... Urban Meyer has always wanted to think about pro football. And I'm sure he's had multiple conversations with guys who have coached a pro, coached in college, albeit Nick Saban. And the one common theme they're always going to share with them is, hey, man, you can't go that league unless you got a quarterback. Like, it's too hard to get them. You can't recruit them there. You can't get them in bunches. You can't pick, have the pick of your litter. You got to go somewhere that has a quarterback. He walks into Jacksonville. Low expectations, got a quarterback. You know, he's got a generational quarterback that helps him establish the culture that he wants. I think it's ridiculous that anybody says, well, the guy's a college coach. Yeah, he's a college coach, but Urban Meyer is a culture builder. So he built a culture at Bowling Green. He built a culture at Utah. He built a culture at Florida. He built a culture at, at, at Ohio State. He understands how to build a culture. You can Cultures are not limited to the level. Cultures are universal. And when you build them the right way, they'll succeed in, at any level. And with Lawrence, he is now able to invoke the Jeff Van Gundy great line where your best player must set the tone of intolerance for anything that gets in the way of winning. He's got that. So now he's got, he, he wants to build a culture. He's got a guy who's going to help him build the culture. I mean, it's a win-win for him. And, for, and if you're Shaq Khan, I mean, it's a double win for him because this would be similar to me to when Jerry Jones hired Bill Parcells. He needed a stadium. He needed the city of Dallas or Arlington, whatever he was, to make some concessions. He needed help. He needed to demonstrate that he was willing to do something outside the box to get what he wanted from them. So he hired Parcells. Same thing here. Khan needs a bunch of things from Jacksonville. He got turned down before the hiring. I think when they revisit those things, he'll be able to advance the team. I think it's a great hiring for Jacksonville. It's the first time they literally have ever thought about culture. It's a win-win. You know people are going to say, well, look at Nick Saban. Just because you're a great college coach doesn't mean it transits the NFL. Okay, fine. Uh, Chip Kelly. I mean, I can give you plenty of examples where it doesn't work, but why not go for it? If you have a great football mind, to your point, Mike, if it was... Bill Parcells, whomever, if you have a great football mind, then it's going to translate in the college or the pros. And again, you've got cap space. You have a generational quarterback. You have an owner, which is going to give you a lot of autonomy. Like you said, Verbin Meyer, he, he couldn't care less about tarnishing his legacy. Are you kidding me? If you can go to the NFL and prove you can succeed, even better. Either way, he's being handsomely paid. It's a fresh challenge for him. He's 56. I think he's over the hill. I'm with you. I think anybody's going, oh, what about Saban? Oh, what about lots of other college guys? What about Pete Carroll? I mean, there's plenty of guys who've had success in the NFL as well. No doubt. And, you know, it's going to depend on who he hires as his general manager, right? Does he keep Trent Balky, which there's some talk yesterday he was going to? Does he bring Scott Pioli in because there was talk he was do- talking? talking to Pioli before he got a job. Does he hire Ray Farmer? That was the name that was going around the Jacksonville building yesterday. I don't know who he's going to hire, but he's going to bring somebody in that'll help him bridge that gap. Look, he's got five decisions to make. Now, this is where it gets complicated. 
because of the hiring system of assistant coaches in the NFL, you know, you can't just hire whoever you want. You can't say, hey, I'm at Ohio State and I want to hire the Iowa offensive line coach and I'll double his salary. No, you can't do that. You can do it in college. You can't do it in pro football. Once you have contract, once you have a contract, you know, pro, whether you're a low-level assistant or a top assistant, you can't change. So for me, you know, that'll be the challenge. He's got to get a great offensive coordinator. Now, the word is he's going to hire Scott Lenahan. Hopefully, he thinks that's the good decision. We'll see. He's got a good defensive coordinator. He's got to hire that. You got to hire two really good defensive and offensive line coaches. Those are critical. And the special teams coach. Those five coaches make up the staff. They're the backbone of the staff. Usually, the offensive coordinator is the quarterback coach. Usually, the defensive coordinator works in the back seven and the coverages. So, you offset some of the other areas. That is the key to the being successful. And he's got to be able to pull that off. And with some help from a veteran NFL personnel guy, I think he could do it. Look, there's nowhere to go but up in Jacksonville. They've had one winning season in the last 10 years. He wins eight games. He's going to be a legend there. Yeah, that's what you want. You want to be able to come in there. Hey, we have low expectations. We've been a disaster. Okay, great. I can help you make things better. You look for gradual improvement. They'll give him plenty of rope, like I said, long contract, so on and so forth. More news to pass along in terms of coaches. Robert Saleh, hired by the New York Jets, is going to be their next head coach. Here's what I like about it. 49ers defensive coordinator. He's Lebanese-American. He's going to join Brian Flores, Mike Tomlin, Ron Rivera active minority head coaches in the league. It's a nice story. It's good to see. Robert Saleh clearly is a motivational guy, right? Fired up on the sidelines. Here's what I don't like about it, Mike. As you've pointed out, this could be a situation of the emperor has no clothes. Like he could be one of these like fire and brimstone kind of guys, but what are you actually doing? Like strategically X's and O's, what are you bringing to the table? And that's where if I'm the Jets right now, I go, okay, I know he's been the trendy pick there for the last couple of years. Everyone keeps remembering Robert Saleh, Robert Saleh. Well, now it's time to put up or shut up. I don't know if he's head coach material. I mean, he's, he's elected. That he got elected. He did a tremendous job of showing enthusiasm, good looking guy, all that. You know, for me, I, I've always felt like the Niners defensively have been too generic. I mean, one front, one coverage. They don't play chess, they play talent. And in a game where you must play chess, you know, you must play chess. I mean, look, they play against Dallas in week 15, they give up 41 points in that game. You know, they play Buffalo at home. They give up 34. Now you say, well, they don't have any players. Well, you don't have any players of the Jets either. He had a great year in 2019 because he had great talent in his defensive front. I mean, when he plays against teams with a quarterback that can throw the football effectively, you know, opening day this year, his team was healthy. You know, he gave up 24 to Arizona. Couldn't stop Arizona from running the football. Couldn't control the quarterback in the pocket. Look, I think this is really just, I think Salah, I don't know him, but I know this. Here's what I do know. I know the Pete Carroll system of defense is really dying in the National Football League. It's it's not working. You could say, well, Gus Bradley just got the Raider job. Great for the Raiders. Okay, great. We'll see if he can stop anybody. He did, He had really good talent in Los Angeles, and they ranked in the bottom bottom half of the league in terms of third down, being able to keep people out of the end zone. They were 22nd in the last eight weeks and score points allowed. So, you know, I don't want to hear that. Some people confuse talent with being great. You got to play chess. For being good on defense, to be a great defensive coach, you've got to be able to play a mixture of zone, man, and man zone. You've got to be able to do that. You've got to be able to adjust the coverages. You've got to be able to to be diversified with your portfolio. I see the Jets getting a one-trick pony. I see a guy get a motivator. Now he's got to rely on Matt LaFleur's brother, Mike LaFleur, to come in and run the offense. You know, look, 
I'm sure they'll be enthusiastic. I'm sure we'll get them to play hard. But are they going to be able to play chess with some of the really good coaches in the National Football League? We shall see. I, I think this is media-driven more than, than watching the tape. When I watched the tape of the 49ers, even back in 18 when I watched it, when you go back and look at them in 2018, when before they became this great, you know, before they won, when they were 4-12, and 12, you know, I always felt like they were never very good on a D. De- I thought defensively they didn't do enough to be able to really understand how to get control of the game. And if they could dominate you with their talent, they would win. And I never saw Salah's influence in the game. I don't have a grudge against Salah. I'm happy he got a job. I'm delighted he got a job. I'm looking at this objectively as somebody at from, 5, 000, from 25,000 feet in the air saying, okay, this is who you hire. Are you going to be able to play chess and go into Kansas City and win in there and do enough against Mahomes that that you can scheme it because we don't have the talent that San Francisco has. I think Mike Tomlin really made the best statement of all when he was talking to Chase Young and he said, hey, I don't ever want to lose enough to get a player like you. Well, the Niners lost enough. You know, Solomon Thomas, second pick overall in the draft. Joey Bosa, top pick in the draft. You know, Buckner, 14th pick in the draft. Armstar for 14. I mean, they gave up a ton of resources to make that defense. Without them, are they any good? That's where I have the issue. Also, you wonder about their offensive struggles, what they're going to do with Sam Darnold. So I, I'm curious to see who he hires on that staff, who his offensive coordinator is going to be, et cetera. More coaching news to pass along. The Falcons, they made an offer to Arthur Smith to become their next head coach. He's been the offensive coordinator for the Titans the past two seasons. He would replace Dan Quinn. Uh, Smith is 38 years of age. The Titans ranked fourth in the league in scoring during the regular season. They averaged just under 31 points per game. The running game obviously was huge with Derrick Henry. Big thing about Tennessee, especially this season, was rare balance under Smith. Derrick Henry ran for over 2,000 yards, but A.J. Brown was a 1,000-yard receiver. We know about the resurgence of Ryan Tannehill. Been with the Titans since 2011, and now we'll see if you can get Matt Ryan going again. Your thoughts, Mike, on Arthur Smith going to Atlanta? I love the hire. I think Arthur Smith's tape backs up his, his media publicity. I think his tape's outstanding. I think he got Ryan Tannehill to play at a level that he didn't play in Miami. That's a, that's a big stroke. He got Derrick Henry to have two years of tremendous ability of running the ball with a scheme that works. He's overcome a bad offensive line. They're not great in Tennessee. Their talent level at Tennessee is not great. He's got A.J. Brown, good receiver, always covered. I mean, he's a great jump ball receiver, does amazing things with the ball in his hands. But, you know, he's not a burner. He's a power runner, not a burner. I, I mean, I think he's good. Don't get me wrong. But the talent level in Atlanta in terms of the skill players are better. You know, and I think it's a great hire. I think what they did by this hire is they assured themselves to be able to get a quarterback in replacement of Ryan as they go down the road. So I like the hire. They're going to hire Terry Fontenot to be the general manager. He's going to work with Rich McKay. Between the two of them, they're going to run the team. Smith's going to coach the offense. I like this hire. I would have liked this hire better for the Jets because to me, the Jets would have been able to say, okay, I got a guy to come in here to fix my our quarterback. Now, I don't know. Here's what we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks. Did the Jets offer Smith first and he took the Atlanta gig? Or did the Jets offer Salah first and, and Smith took the Atlanta. Everybody knew Smith was number one on Atlanta's list. By this time, by this by last week, Smith was in the winner, was in the uh was in the leader in the clubhouse in that gig. So it something changed. Something changed where it, it there was a domino effect here in terms of the background, right? So 
Did the Jets pick Sala, which then left Smith with Atlanta? Or did Atlanta pick pick Smith, which left the Jets with their guy? I don't know how that all worked out. I'll find out eventually. But, uh, you know, I love the hire. I think it's really good for Atlanta. That gives him somebody who's smart. He's paid his dues. His tape, I don't know Arthur Smith from the man on the moon, but his tape backs up the publicity that he's received. It's almost like an actor, right? I don't know what he does, but I saw the audition tape. I saw his uh, previous film. This guy looks pretty good to me. Now I get to know him a little bit better. We're going to do more of the GM stuff on Monday. There's a bunch of stuff involving the Denver Broncos, the Lions, the Panthers. One more coaching stuff, and then I want to move to Tua. Dan Quinn hired as a new defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Mike Nolan, absolutely dreadful job. The Cowboys defense, they got shredded. I mean, they were absolutely annihilated this season. Dan Quinn made his bones with defense. That's why you got hired as the head coach of Atlanta. Just a quick thought, Mike, on DQ going to Dallas. I, I think this all ties into Sala, ties into Gus Bradley. Like, like when when Raheem Morris took over the Atlanta team and he changed the defense when Dan left the building, and he could really change Atlanta's defensive fortunes. They got better on defense. They became more multiple. They were able to do different things. They weren't talented by no means, but they were able to go into Kansas City and they played man zone. They did a bunch of different things that Raheem's really good at coaching. Somebody's going to get a really good defensive coordinator when they hire Raheem Morris. I don't know who it's going to be. I'm sure Raheem Morris would be great for anybody. I mean, but he because he's got a lot of versatility with his, with his packages. So now Dallas hires Dan. Dan's a great guy. He's like Salah. They're highly motivated. Everything's positive. Everybody's running on great energy. But at the end of the day, they don't have enough diversity within their portfolio. They rely strictly on the talent. And they want the players to play fast, but they don't be able to play the chess game. And sometimes that works, right? Sometimes you can beat people playing checkers. But when you got to play chess against the really good teams, that's going to become an issue. So, look, I think it's great for Dan. I like Dan. But Dan's got to change his portfolio. Same thing with Bradley. You know, Bradley's going to come in there. He said, we're going to play fast. We're not going to make mistakes. Well, great. You got Max Crosby and Colin Farrell as your defensive ends. They're not going to get home. You got Malik Collins inside. He ain't getting home. So, like, you're going to play cover three. You're going to play one front, one, one coverage, and people are going to be able to move the ball up and down the field on you. That's the situation there in Big D. The situation in Miami is this. Tua Tungavailoa, you've been critical of him, Mike. I know people say, well, hey, give him a full year, blah, blah, blah. Well, how about this? Who cares what we think? The report now has come the actual Dolphins players have concerns about him. Three unnamed players expressed their concerns over whether the former first-round draft pick is the right man for the job. One player basically said as much when it was revealed the 22-year-old would be the starter next season. The players made sure to clarify they haven't quite given up on their young teammate. They remain hopeful Tungavailo will improve. This was a story in the Miami Herald. But the commentary from the anonymous group shows that there isn't a lot of confidence in how he stacks up to some of the best quarterbacks in the league. Dolphins went 10-6. and That's just their second winning record in 12 seasons, but listen, when you got guys grumbling, hey, I don't know if Fitzpatrick's better than Tonga Vailoa. I mean, the specific parts of the report, Mike, they said they were unimpressed by him during training camp because they thought he wouldn't be ready to go. They said they were totally caught off guard when he was named the starter in the seventh game of the season. One defensive player said he isn't impressed with Tonga Vailoa's ball velocity or arm strength or ability to make off-schedule plays with his legs. And ultimately question if Tonga Vailoa can be a guy like a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or Deshaun Watson. Quote, those are the boys we got to beat, right? It looks right now like that's going to be a big challenge. Your thoughts? You know, I, I think it is. I mean, now, in, in fairness, maybe he doesn't have his legs underneath of him. Maybe the injuries have done that. But I think the players 
on that team that Armando got to what quoted off the record are seeing the same thing that I'm seeing, you know, without bias, without any, any object, without any malice towards everybody says to was a great kid. I'm sure he's a tremendous kid. He is. His character is of the highest quality. You know, he probably works really hard. This is a objective, non-biased evaluation of the player. And that's what the other players are. And that's Brian Flores' challenge. He's got to convince those guys in the locker room that this guy can do it. He's got to. And that's going to be hard for him to do because if they're seeing what they're seeing, if they're seeing what I'm seeing, they can't. And that's why it's a concern when the Dolphins players themselves, like you said, they can realize that there's definitely something of a a division there. One more, then we're going to take a break and get to some games. Steve Young, former NFL quarterback, Super Bowl champion, ESPN analyst. He called Jared Goff heroic. (laughs) He was talking about the thumb injury and surgery that takes a month or more before you should be throwing footballs. And he actually called him heroic, which made me think, God, I've got to ask my buddy Mike Lombardi what he thinks about this. Well, I don't think the Rams and Johnny Ola are heroic. I mean, (laughs) I just don't see that. But, you know, Steve says things that are rather interesting. I mean, last year on national television before the Pittsburgh game, he was ridiculing, destroying Brian Flores for being unfair to the players and and causing harm to them by the way they're tanking, you know, and, and, and that was, I mean, they, they, he blasted them. And I mean, he's entitled to his opinion. He's a hall of famer, you know, more power to him. I just don't see, you know, golf was mad because he wasn't chosen as the player to play. He was cleared to play being cleared to play by the doctors and then going to play. doesn't put you in the heroic category to me, to me. It just doesn't. Yeah, it seemed to be a bit of a strong statement, which, listen, I know people throw around a lot of metaphors and adjectives sometimes in sports that seem ridiculous. Goff and heroic doesn't seem to go well together. Stay tuned. When we come back, let's dive into some games. NFL division around playoff games. We'll dive into them all, give you some picks when we come back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, check out the most up-to-date betting lines by using the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I believe for the year, Mike, 31, 34, and 3. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's it. I, and and last week I was four. I mean, I did all the picks based on the, my numbers, and my numbers were four and two. So 
I, I posted those. Uh, I didn't post all of them on Twitter, so they had to listen to it here. I did all of them on the uh, Hammer Down pod, but I'm going to do them here today so I don't have to post them on Twitter. But we lost, AD, we lost, uh, we lost Jackie Jr. and Carlo Rizzi, the Bears, <laughs> so we knew that was coming, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we called that. We, lo- we lost Clemenza and Tom Hagen. That, we knew that was coming, right? We lost Jackie April with cancer and Don Corleone of Pittsburgh. <laughs> we lost Feach and, Clem- and Clemenza of Seattle. That was coming. We, we knew we were going to lose Santino, right? Tennessee. We knew that. And we knew we were going to lose Fredo and Furio. So that was gone. So now we're, now we're kind of back to the final eight. This is, to me, this is the best weekend of football in the NFL. You know, the, 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 the Elite Eight, you know, all the games are good. All the games are, there's nobody here that doesn't really belong, including Cleveland. They belong here. They're one of the top eight teams in the league. In fact, when I do my power rankings, you know, I had Cleveland as, as one of the, as one of the top, you know, they're in the top 10 teams in, in football. I mean, they are good. Their numbers are good. Their defense isn't great, but their numbers are good offensively. And they, they stack up exactly with all these other teams in terms of how I power ranked them and the teams that lost. You know, Washington, Chicago, they had really bad power ranking numbers. Seattle had a bad power ranking number in terms of as it related to the Rams. You know, Indianapolis was even with Cleveland, you know, Tennessee, they were all in the same category. So somebody kind of broke through. And and I think the numbers have played out. So it'll be, I think it'll be a great weekend of football. The weather's supposed to be cooperating and we get to watch four great games, two each day. And I'm ex- I'm excited for it. Amen. And I agree with you. Divisional round playoff games are the best. Wild card weekend games. I always say, well, there's always a couple teams that shouldn't be in there. Like Washington's a sub 500 team. The Bears are a 500 team. I like the fact there was more games. Like it was fun to have six games on. But as you and I said, the Jackie Juniors and the Posers got out of the way. Divisional round. You go, okay, here we go. Eight teams, four games. Saturday at 4:30 and eight. Sunday at three and 6:30. We kick it off with Saturday at 4:35. The Rams and the Packers. Now the Rams often scored an average of 20. 12.7 points per game during the final three weeks of the regular season. I don't know if they're going to be able to put up points, whether or not it's John Wolford or Jared Goff. Cooper Cup uh, back, but he's got bursitis in his knee. Since th- week 13, Packers have allowed 17 points per game. So their defense is better. But everybody wants to know, Mike, this is going to be fun to watch. Aaron Donald, if he's healthy, against Aaron Rodgers. Flushing him out of the pocket. Rodgers, I think, is going to be the MVP of the year. He had like a 12-to-1 touchdown to interception ratio, 48-4. to And matchups. Again, it's always about matchups. Jalen Ramsey against Devontae Adams. One of the great corners against one of the great receivers. That, to me, every single time the Packers have the ball against that Rams number one defense, this will make this a fun game to watch for that reason. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, everybody's got wondering about golf face, right? The heroic golf, you know, and and I'm worried about golf face and, and weather. That's not going to be too nice either. But he, here's the reality of golf face in cold weather. He's three and one in games under 40 degrees. That's right. He's three and one. Now he sucks in those four games. He's been 20 for 48 on third down. He's thrown for 50% completion, just 6.37 yards per attempt, five interceptions, five touchdowns. So they've won in spite of them in cold weather. They've won because of their defense. They've won in terms of that. Now he's played six career games in shit in under 40, two of them with Jeff Fisher, which we don't count in the category, but they're going against somebody that I think is unique. I think Aaron Rodgers has separated himself from the pack greatly. I mean, it's not even close, right? Rodgers on throws this year over over 31 yards is 13 for 33. Remarkable. On throws between 20 yards, 
21 yards and 30. He's 17 for 37 with seven touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, what he, what Jordan Love has done for the Packers by not suiting up, by not playing, has motivated Aaron Rodgers to a level that we haven't seen since 2013-14. And I think that's the difference in this game. Look, my numbers say this should be a close game. My numbers say this is a 2.18 game. I'm going to go against my numbers here. I'm going to take Green Bay and lay the points at six and a half. Here's why. I think this, and this Brady Cannon, who I do the Lombardi line with on VEASAN every Wednesday, he's a professional gambler. 89%, 89% in this round, 89% in this round, the team that wins covers. The team that wins covers 89% of the time. Now, we also know this is a round where maybe, maybe, one road team wins. This is a home team round. Now, that could change a little bit, AD, because of COVID, because there's no crowd noise, you know, because we don't have the true home field advantage here, because teams can run the football. I mean, the Rams, if they're going to win, if they're going to win, they're going to need to run for over 140 yards, and they're going to have to have at least 35 carries in the game. If they win this game, it'll be because they run the ball and they've stopped Rodgers. I don't like that formula come playoff time. I just don't. And I think that the Packers can stop the run game because they know they're not going to get beat by the pass game. And they're not going to win this game 14-13. They got to score 20. I like the Packers. I think the Packers are a dominant team. And the way Rodgers is playing in cold weather and the way the Packers are, I like the matchup. Yeah, I can't see Cam Akers doing enough to overcome, like you said, the fact there's so many deficiencies on that Rams offense. To your point, though, every time you go, listen, there's got to be an upset at some point. Theoretically, you got one road team that's where I'm going next with the Ravens and the Bills. On paper, I said to myself, okay, I like the Bills because of their offensive talent. I mean, they, they've scored at least 30 points, seven of their past nine games. We all know about Josh Allen's maturations, how great Stephon Diggs is. But the Ravens found their running game in the most important time this year. Lamar Jackson's got five rushing touchdowns, eight rushes of at least 20 yards over that period. You got J.K. Dobbins, you got Mark Andrews. Every weekend, Mike, like you said, there's going to be at least one road to me. Go, okay, someone's going to pull an upset. Now, I don't think it's going to be the Rams or the Packers. I don't think the Browns are going to beat the Chiefs. We'll get to Bucks Saints in a second. So just by going perhaps on history, I say, okay, if there's a team ripe for an upset, maybe it's the Ravens that can beat the Bills. Baltimore had an inspired performance against the Titans. The defense really stepped up, bottling up Derrick Henry and making like difficult for Ryan Tannehill. I don't know if they can do it again against Josh Allen, but maybe I go Baltimore in an upset. How about you? I like Baltimore here too. I think this is a close game. I have it as a 2.87 game. The line I think is 2.5 right now. So it's a pick them for me. I'll pick Baltimore. Um, here's why. Lamar's 7-1 and one in games under 40 degrees. And, and I think this is a really hard matchup for Buffalo. I love Buffalo. I think they've done a great job. I love what Josh Allen has done. I mean, let me give you this number for Josh Allen. This is kind of remarkable how... I was wrong on Josh Allen thinking he couldn't improve. And I made fun of of Kyle from uh, Good Morning as thinking he was an MVP candidate because Kyle, I don't know how he saw that this kid could improve his his, uh, accuracy. But when I read these numbers, this is what I was basing on. In 2019, when, when Josh Allen threw the ball over 31 yards, he was four for 26. When he threw it over 21 yards, he was nine for 33. When he threw it over 11 yards, he was 54 for 92. This year, when he throws it over 11 yards, he's 76 for 119. When he throws it over 21 yards, he's 17 for 29. 17 for 29. 
Last year, he only had he only had nine completions last year. And this year, when he goes over 31 yards, he's eight for 32. Last year, he only had four. He doubled it. There's the product. There, now, how he's improved it, that, that remains to be seen. I've never thought it would happen. That being said, his improvement's remarkable. But can Buffalo play run defense? They gave two four. They gave up two forty five to Kansas City, two seventeen to Arizona. Both losses. New England ran for one eighty eight when they played them there, and Cam was going in to win the game, and he fumbled. Tennessee ran for one thirty nine. They give up four point six two per carry. I don't see how they can play run defense. And Baltimore with Lamar, he in cold weather, he's run the ball 94 times for 719 yards, 7.6 per rush. He throws for 7.88, 18 touchdowns, four interceptions. I'll take Baltimore here. All right, then we got the Ravens. To Sunday we go, 305 Eastern, the Browns and the Chiefs. This game appears to be the biggest mismatch on paper. The Chiefs, the last time I saw, the line was 10 points. Listen, if the Browns are successful, you know that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have to step up, get an early lead, right? Maybe a turnover from Kansas City. We saw that with Roethlisberger and Pouncey. That first bad snap, all of a sudden Cleveland had confidence. But the Browns ranked number 24 in the NFL in opposing QBR and number 25 in touchdown passes allowed this season. And Roethlisberger did throw for over 500 yards and four touchdowns. I just think Mahomes will be too much to overcome for this Browns team. I like the Chiefs. You? Yeah. I do too, and I think here's the reality. You have to force the Browns to not be able to run the ball. So there's two ways you do that in pro football. You stop the run or you get a lead quickly, right? If you get if you get behind 21 to nothing, you can't run the ball. Evidence by Ben having to throw it 63 times the last time they played Cleveland, right? So Kansas City can do both. Kansas City can play the run. They'll probably stop the run. But where Kansas City is going to be dangerous is they're going to come out in that first quarter, first drive. They're going to build that lead. And it's going to be like the Jet game. It'll be like the Jet game for the Browns. The Jets will be, you know, the Browns couldn't run the ball in the Jet game, and it forced the burden of responsibility on Baker. And I think this is a hard matchup for Cleveland because of that. Cleveland has to play perfect to win. The line's at 10, I think it is, or nine and a half, somewhere in there. Uh, go to your DraftKings app. Bet, you know, Look at what they're having for you. Make the play. Also, when you, when you see Goff in the first quarter, think about going to your DraftKings bet app and, and play against him at that point. But I, I, like, I like Kansas City. I think they're well-rested they're well off the bye. They're healthy. I think their defense has peaked at the right time of the year. I think they'll win this game and cover. And lastly, the Bucs are taking on the Saints. For a good reason, people are saying, oh man, what a matchup to the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Brady versus Breeze, just one more time. Tampa Bay, they play their best football this season over the past five weeks, all victories. During that span, they've averaged 36 points per game. Past three games, Brady has averaged 145 passing yards off play action, more than twice his average prior to that. As far as New Orleans is concerned, defense was great against the pass for much of the season. As a franchise, they've made four consecutive playoff appearances. Listen, top 5D, future Hall of Fame quarterback. We love Alvin Kamara. This is a really interesting call. Bucks and Saints for good reason. Who do you got, Mike? I'm going to go the Saints here. Bruce Arians has yet to beat the Saints. He's 0-4 against them. Uh, you know, and uh, I think, I mean, the rain, I think the last time they won was when Dirk Cotter was the coach and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick had that big game opening day. So, I mean, I just think the when you watch the tape, when the Bucks played them in New Orleans and in in Tampa, the, the the Saints defensive backs covered. They covered really well, and they put pressure on Brady. You know, when you look at Tampa, their best win of the year came against Green Bay. It kind of was a, a game Green Bay kind of stubbed their toe and turned the ball over. You know, 
they lost to Chicago. They've lost to the Rams. They've lost to Kansas City. You know, they, they haven't beaten really what I would say, what's their quality win? The Green Bay game. And here's the interesting thing. This is why I like New Orleans this weekend, because every team in the league, Tampa Bay is the number one team in the league in terms of teams throwing the ball against them in the first half. They have more passing attempts against them in the first half than rushes. Peyton comes out, he throws the ball. Go back and watch both games. He throws the ball. Boom, boom. He gets it out, throws it. He wants to get the lead and put pressure on the Bucs offense. And I just don't know if the Bucs offense is conducive to be able to make the plays they need to make against the Saints. I'll take the Saints and lay the points. Saints defense definitely has stepped up this year. It's not like they need Drew Brees to be Drew Brees the pass. They've got enough weapons around him that they can supplement and pick up the win. Enjoy all the football. After the break, we'll open up the GM shuffle. Talk a little James Harden trade. How do you deal with toxic star athletes. That's next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. As always, you can get in touch with us, the GM Shuffle at gmail.com. Hey, guys, love the pod. Mike, what do you think of the blockbuster trade that sent James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets? Did Brooklyn sell the farm? How do coaches and front offices manage toxic players and situations like the one in Houston? That's from Barry in Virginia. Hey, Barry, uh, look, I don't think they sold the farm. I think they gave the farm away. I mean, I don't look. Uh, Kyrie Irving, they can't even get in contact with him. He's missing in action. Nobody knows where the hell he is. I mean, this is the most lopsided trade I've ever seen. I'm so happy the 70s. Uh, look, Harden's a great player. He's got his issues. How much does he want to win? What kind of shape he's in? You know, he's an older player. But to, to, to at least not give away your franchise to do this, and you're counting on A, they're all staying healthy. What Brooklyn's really counting on here is what's going to happen is is once the, the trade deadline comes and goes in the NBA, and teams start to buy out players, whether it's Blake Griffin at Detroit or whomever, teams that know they're done, then Brooklyn's going to sign those guys on one-year deals at minimum and be able to get their depth. But until then, they have no depth and they can't play defense. I, I think this is a risky proposition. And then Kyrie Irving has no value because who wants to take on an asshole? Like, at what point will we believe that Kyrie Irving's an asshole? Like, at what point are we going to believe it? Like, even Stephen A's going off on him saying he doesn't like basketball. Like, Parcells used to say all the time, when a player shows you who he is, believe him. I believe he's an asshole now. I've watched him. Yeah, listen, Harden's a spectacular player, an incredible scorer, uh, does not bring it at the defensive end. We all know that. That's not what he's getting paid for. Fine. But to your point, it's depth. Like, you can't win a championship with three guys, especially when the one guy, Kyrie Irving, nobody likes. So, hey, Durant, awesome. Harden, awesome. I love Steve Nash. Canadian, great coach. I I hope it works out for him. First-time coach. But, like, where's your role players? Where's your bench guy? Where's your Steve Kerr? Where's your John Paxson? Where's your... You know, rotational guys. I mean, I anybody who said, oh, Nets win now, I'm like, yeah, we'll see about that. Is it a fun trade to talk about? Yeah. But all those picks, Mike, when I started looking, I go, holy smokes, Brooklyn, 22, 2022, 2024, 2026, four unprotected first round pick swaps. I mean, it's go big or go home. Good luck to you.
Yeah, good luck. You either, as Uncle Junior would say, come heavy or don't come at all. They came heavy. <laughs> they came heavy. Perfect way to end it. Follow Mike Lombardi at M Lombardi NFL on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me, Adnan Esferk, and you can follow our show's Instagram page at the GM Shuffle. We're back on Monday. Enjoy the football, everybody.